Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I had no hesitation. I just went out and bought, I think, seven properties in six months for starters and, and then started to build on that. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we have the honor of speaking with Philip Brock, an expatriate who, after 25 years of hotel trade, discovered his niche was in property investment. Don't miss out on his tricks of the trade on how he was able to build a high performance property portfolio. Brock was able to turn a hobby into a career, creating his company called Multifocus Properties and Finance within the property investment field. I'm the CEO of the company and we essentially help property investors to um, make money out of property by, um, uh, by advising them on strategy, uh, financial structure and sourcing properties. A typical day in the life of Brock as CEO involves following up on clients to ensure their satisfaction with their services and most importantly, checking that with their new clients, there is a complete transparency when it comes to understanding why certain decisions were made. What I do all day is pretty much um, follow up on, on my clients, um, making sure that um, everybody is happy and um, for new clients, I organize meetings, make sure that um, we can talk about what makes sense for them. Um, and that usually goes through um, understanding the financial situation and then seeing how, what the boundaries of the discussions are, which is pretty much linked to borrowing capacity and um, how much they've got for uh, by, you know, um, either equity or, or savings in terms of a deposit. And then from then on, we start discussing attitude to risk, how it works, um, then organize the financial structure and um, eventually... Um, find them a property. So there's a whole process to go through. So I meet people several times and um, and and get to to the end. Wow, it sounds like a, a pretty full-on process. Then there's there's so much that you do as well. Besides managing the company, you're still quite hands-on and meeting with the clients. I'm the face of the company, so um, uh, I've got the credibility out there in terms of uh, you know knowing what I'm talking about, and and that is really really helpful. Um, I also wrote a book about investing in property um, in the Australian market. So that all drives, if you want, the, um, the educational part of, of it and, and, and forcing you to be hands-on because a lot of people want to talk to me about what is in the book. Excellent. So it sounds like you've got a full package for an investor that comes in and help them from start to finish really. 
And that's the idea because most of our clients are busy executives and the last thing they want is to spend too much time or they haven't got enough time to actually do all the work themselves in terms of research, etc. but also in terms of knowledge. There's so much there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much on the internet and on social media about what property is about, what, what's good, what's bad, etc., etc. People get completely confused. So they're looking at understanding, getting a bit of clarity of vision, um, and, and have someone who can actually explain to them from start to finish how it's going to work and, you know, how you get in, how much does it how much do you, you know, does it cost to, to keep a property? And then um, at the end, how do you make money out of them? Having been involved in property investment for more than a decade, Brock has had the privilege of seeing a few different cycles of the market, giving him a foot forward in terms of deciphering what situation could be the make or break of a successful property investment. As you know, every market, there's not one market in Australia in terms of property. There's, there's several markets. So, you know, when Sydney is booming, other other markets tend to be a bit more subdued and vice versa. When Sydney quiets down, other markets are picking up because there's a fundamental demand for um, for real estate transactions and people and investors move around and, and look for bargains uh, wherever the cycle is good. So yeah, it's been it, you know for the last 12 years, been just um, going around and. Uh, riding every market as they come along. <laughs> it sounds fun to do as well. It sounds like you're hopping on a bicycle going around the country. <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think the trick is actually to make sure that you've got um, a, a long-term um, prospect of generating capital growth because capital growth is the name of the game. Uh, so we all understand there are cycles out there that you know you, you want to ride the wave, but um, when you're at the top of the wave, you don't want to sell, but you want to make sure that you're going to have a leveling of that market and then eventually will pick up again. So it's a, it's a question of marking time and, and just keep having faith in what you've done. Brock experienced living in all parts of the world before giving up the stability of his career in the hotel industry and deciding to pursue property investment in Australia. You can guess from my accent that um, I am French. Uh, I was raised in Strasbourg, which is on the east part of France, um, born and bred there um, until I was um, 18. And my dad told me that if you want to be anyone in this world, you need to speak English. So I uh, packed up my bags and went over to London and never looked back. So I actually have nev- never, ever worked in France in my life. Um, I did all my studies and then went abroad and found a job um, and got um, got into finance and, and I really loved it and I worked for an international um, hotel group, uh, a French of course, uh, the the Accor group, and and then yeah, oh, oh, I loved it. Um, I loved it every minute. Um, I, I worked for this company; they were great. They were in a sort of pioneering phase, so. They pretty much said, oh, we need to develop some hotels in the UK. Um, do you want to go? So I went. And um, after about six or seven years, they said, okay, now we are nice and established there. Um, we're looking at developing Asia. Would you like to go to Bangkok? So we did a few years in Bangkok and then uh, eventually bought a um, company um, here in Australia. So we moved uh, the corporate office to um, to Sydney. And... Um, then we did another few years in Tokyo and then decided it was time to settle down. And um, this is where I started looking around because once 
Um, we finished in Tokyo and we came back to Sydney and I was still working for the same company. Uh, they were actually quite good because they said to me when I was in Tokyo, they said, oh, you want to settle down? Well, just tell us where you want to settle down. We'll organize the visas. And so uh, I was very, very fortunate. Having had all this worldly experience under his belt, his wife and himself had to decide out of all the places they had lived where they wanted to settle. So we make a big song and dance with my wife and, you know, with a glass of wine and um, a globe of the world and saying, OK, where do you want to go, darling? And, but in effect, it took us uh, two to three minutes to decide uh, we, we wanted to go back to Australia because we, we loved it. Um, so we eventually did another 10 years uh, here in Australia with that same company. Um, and this is when, you know, once you've decided to settle down, you said, okay, let, let's, let's have a dog and uh, let's, uh, let's have a look where, where we can invest our money. And, um, and this is when I came across that notion of negative gearing and I sort of looked at the numbers and being in corporate finance all my life, my, my life is driven by numbers. So I said, okay, let's, let's try to understand how this thing works. So I did. And then I said, no, nah, that can't be right. So um, I went to one of the accountants who was working for me and, and said, you know, um, I remember his name, Michael Feeney. And I said, Michael, um, you know, where did I go wrong with my calculation? That doesn't make sense. And he looked at the numbers and he said, no, no, you're correct. And I said, wow, that's, that's really a very powerful tool uh, to, to, to create wealth. You know, we're using a, a bit of taxation deferment, et cetera, et cetera. And then once I understood how it worked, um, I had no hesitation. I just went out and bought, I think, seven properties in six months for starters and, and then started to build on that. He explains his impulsivity as him greeting his midlife crisis with open arms. But at some point you say, oh, I really love to work for myself. And at that time, I was helping all my colleagues to, to get into property. And um, because they, they said, oh, you, you, you've invested in property, we, we'd like to do the same, but we don't know how to do it. So I sort of helped them along, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I had my midlife crisis and I decided I was going to work for myself, I said, well, that, there has to be a niche there because you've got all these busy executives that haven't got time but really should invest in property because they're high income earners and, um, and you know, it's a great way to create a bit of wealth there. And so I just slid into into that business um, in a sense. So um, one of these rare people who actually uh, making um, a profession out of of my hobby, if you want. Uh, and so to me, coming to to the office every morning, uh, it doesn't feel at all like um, like I'm, I have to go to work. You know, I've got a spring in my step every morning when I wake up, which is great. Brock's parents were never hugely interested in property investment. However, recognize the fundamental abilities needed to ensure one success. The biggest piece of advice that has defined my life was when dad said, you know, um, you need to learn English, otherwise you never go anywhere in this world. And, and that's what prompted me to actually pack my bags and just drive off to, to London. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Brock's journey as a full-time property investor. At the time... My sort of research and my understanding of property was that you wanted, if you're building a, subs- a substantial portfolio, you have to be careful of land taxes. His worst investing moment on his property journey thus far? I didn't sort of lose any money, but I was just sort of wasting my time. And, and it sort of taught me that you're much better off staying in a mainstream product, in a mainstream location. The point at which everything clicked? Deadpan, he said, well, if 
you have zero property and you lose your job, you're stuffed. But if you have 10 properties and you lose your job, you're stuffed too. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Western Australia is tipped to be the next property hotspot. If you're looking to invest and build in WA, take advantage of the affordable land market and record build times with Plunkett Homes. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build to find out why they are WA's most established home builder. With over 150 years of experience, Plunkett Homes helps you develop turnkey homes across WA. To get your fixed price demolition or site works and to maximize profits and minimize time, visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build. And now back to the show. As Brock puts it, buying seven properties in six months was the irrationality of a man going through a midlife crisis. In hindsight, I would have probably taken a bit more time to, to accumulate the thing. But at the time, I had the bank approvals and I had the, um, the capital to do it. So uh, it was just... Was, you know, I was like a kid, you know, going shopping. Um, and and, and you, you get, you know, that was my first real contact with property. And then you get courted by all these people who want to sell you property. So you feel like a king, you know. And um, But I, I did my numbers. Um, you know, although I was flattered that people wanted to talk to me, uh, I knew why they wanted to talk to me. And also, um, you know, I was, my life has been driven by numbers. So uh, I always rationalize back to that. And at the time, my sort of research and my understanding of property was that you wanted, if you're building a a substantial portfolio, you have to be careful of land taxes. Um, Land taxes are driven by states. So I wanted to start and building up um, a number of portfolio in a state where the land tax was the lowest possible in the country and the thresholds above which you start paying taxes was was the, um, the most generous. And that was Queensland. So... I started, uh, I think the first four properties were on the Gold Coast and then um, then one in Townsville, one in Brisbane and one in Cairns. And then after that, I started diversifying into other states. But initially, that was my um, my my first foray into investment was, was really into Queensland. Having invested in a number of properties over this extended period of time, Brock recalls a moment where his decisions did not lead to the outcomes he had hoped for. I mean, I, I never had any major dramas, but um, when I first invested, I sort of bought a little bit of everything, you know, an apartment here, a house there, and, and I wanted to test to see what works, what didn't work. It was a bit of a silly reasoning, in fact, um, but I just wanted to prove that you could, to myself, that you could make property uh, money out of property, you know, being a house, an apartment, um, a retirement home or whatever. And one of the investments I made, which... which um, Fortunately, it was a very small one. Was into a retirement unit. I think it cost me about ninety or thousand dollars for um, a one-bedroom unit in um, in an over fifty-five village in in Eagleby. Um, and the um, the rent you were getting was, um, if you want, um, aligned with the the increase in in pension. And pension at the time was going up by over CPI, uh, by 2% over CPI. So I said, well, you know, at the minimum, the capital growth is going to be 2% above CPI. I said, well, I have that. 
and the cash flow was great, but there was, you know, um, I was hoping for capital growth there. And, um, you know, over time, I just realized that uh, there was no capital growth in this type of products because they're not mainstream. So I sort of wasted a bit of my time there because that property ended up, you know, the body corporate ended up going very high. The cash flow was great, but was completely eaten up by that. And I had no capital growth. So I didn't I didn't sort of lose any money, but I was just sort of wasting my time, and and it sort of taught me that you're much better off staying in a mainstream product in a mainstream location um, because you know your tenants are going to be mainstream people and your buyers are going to be mainstream owner occupiers hopefully or, or or investors, and you want you want to be where you've got the maximum chance of being able to to sell to sell your property when you want to and at the same time obviously having capital growth. So what happened to that property? Did you still own it in your portfolio or did you actually um, let it go? I ended up letting it go and it's the only property I ever sold in my life. I've never sold any other properties I've only been buying. Through dealing with the consequences of irrational property investment choices, Brock was able to take away some valuable lessons about the do's and don'ts of building a successful portfolio. The other lesson I've learned through that one is don't try to force what the market is saying. For instance, banks don't like this type of security. They don't like, so they don't like um, retirement homes. They don't like student accommodation. They don't like service departments. They, they, for, every, for all of these, they don't like holiday units. So for all these reasons, they, there's a reason why they don't like them. <laughs> is that if, if one day they have to repossess the, the goods, they they may have difficulty in selling selling them. So they're making it difficult. They're lowering the loan to value ratios, or they're not lending to it at all. So um, I, you know that's that was a good lesson for me. Is not trying to force the issue, saying, "Oh, if the big fours don't want to lend me, then I'll go to some fringe lender because I think it's a good investment." And you know I don't believe what the banks are saying. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have to play the statistics. Having delved into the property investment scene, Brock shares his initial thought process behind the risks of what an investor can potentially gain and lose. When I sort of came across that notion of negative gearing and I just did these numbers and I sort of said, ah, that can't be right. It's, um, I, I remember saying to myself, I said, well, this is, this is money for jam because you know, if you're a high earner and, and you know, your pro- properties are cash flow positive, uh, you extract equity from a home to... Um, to put a deposit down on an investment property, so you're putting pretty much nothing in it. Property is cash flow positive and it grows by say five to seven percent per annum. Um, you know, it has to be a, a no-brainer for for most people. But that was that was back in in the old, uh, you know, 2002 and 2003. Nowadays, the, the equation is is a bit different. But um, the moment was, I suppose, the aha moment, if you want one along these lines, is that. When I talked to this accountant of mine and I said, where did I go wrong? And the guy said, you haven't gone wrong anywhere. Then my next thing was, okay, what happens if I acquire 10 properties and then I lose my job? And he looked at me and he's an Irish guy and deadpan. He said, well, if you have zero property and you lose your job, you're stuffed. But if you have 10 properties and you lose your job, you're stuffed too. <laughs> and, and that was the thing that, and that was the click in my mind that said, ah, oh, uh, well, you're absolutely right. Might as well go for it. 
So, inspired by Philip Brock's story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode where we'll discuss his mindset for successful property investment. My life is driven by numbers. Once the numbers make sense, we just go for it. Details on his property investment habits. It's more um, a monthly habit, which is to... Uh, I've got a massive spreadsheet with all my properties and all the key numbers in there. The strategy he uses to help his clients. Because of my background in corporate finance, I'm, the way I, I do my business is by explaining the facts to people and, and then let them make up their mind. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Invest Story. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.